Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to My Name is Mario episode 2. I'm so happy I had again another amazing guest and I will not reveal her name yet but it, she is amazing. We talked about the past, we talked about QA, we talked about DEI and there were some technical issues especially with a little bit of echo which I tried to remove it here in the post editing especially in the audio but still the conversation flows perfectly. Uh, let's see if it's enjoyable but stay with us and please help me with a big round of applause for Nicolina Finska. Good morning, Nicolina. Welcome to, uh, to My Name is Mario. This is my, my new show. Uh, I'm happy to have you as my second guest. Thank you very much for being here. How are you doing? Hi, Pietro. So thank you first for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. And yeah, good morning. It's uh, good morning. it's a morning time, so I'm still fresh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is the first thing I'm doing today, so still uh, still fresh, still on my morning uh, morning uh, coffee, and it's a gorgeous sunny day, so everything is set. To be oh perfect. yeah. People people don't know that we are we are recording at nine thirty of uh, Friday morning. Um, so the sun actually also for me is a good sunny day. I'm very lucky. It's the second episode, the second day that I have the sun. And normally, you know, I live in Poland. It's not like the best weather ever. <laughs> so, you know, I'm very, very happy. That makes me It's happy. a good sign for your podcast, you know, it's sunshine. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see that way. Didn't see that way. Right. Actually, you know, it might be that the universe somehow is, um, yeah. is, is helping me. I don't know, uh, maybe. It's, it's a good show. Like, it's a good the show. The reason, I think at the end of uh, Rick and Morty or something else, there is like this splash screen. It's a, it's a good the show. And <laughs> maybe I should use it as my, you know, something to use in my, in, in my podcast. But, you know, thank you once again for being here. And uh, I will try to, to, to contain my hands moving activity because I, I've heard it I move too, too much my hands. I'm Italian. What can I tell you? But I'm, I'm you know, we, we've known each other already for, for some times, right? So it's, yeah. not, it's not a couple of days. Uh, I think we met back 12 years ago or something like that. I think it was 2011. Wow. Yes, wow. yes, long, long wow. time ago, yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you think about it, because in my head, this is like yesterday, but yeah, it was more than a decade when we met first time, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, it's really been a long time. But I've always um, felt, I, I hear an echo now, I hope that we will, we will not hear it, let's see. Okay, I don't hear it anymore, it's beautiful. So um, you've always inspired me, uh, I have to say, uh, along the years before. So I met you when you were working at, uh, at Rovio. Uh, you've done some, some great things at some point, you left Rovio. Um, so I will, I will give you like a couple of, uh, like, like a couple of minutes or like sometimes as, as long as you need to, to describe what is like a little bit your career. Uh, but, uh, before, before we do that, I wanted to, uh, to do this thing that I always do with my, with my guests. So I have my cloned voice, right? I clone my voice and I ask AI to create a text to describe you. And then basically it's done. So you are going to hear my voice, but it's, it's AI work, basically. And nice. here it is. Are you, are you ready for it? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, let's try. 
Meet Nicolina Finska, a luminary in the gaming industry with a career spanning over a decade. Nicolina's journey through the world of gaming is marked by her leadership in both well-established studios and dynamic startups, contributing her expertise to over 20 game titles, primarily in the mobile and free-to-play F2P sectors. Before diving into gaming, Nicolina honed her leadership skills in the IT sector and government roles laying a strong foundation for her future endeavors. Currently, she serves as the COO of the US-based gaming studio Rainbow Unicorn Games, where her strategic acumen and innovative spirit drive the company forward. Beyond her executive role, Nicolina is deeply committed to nurturing the next generation of talent. She actively mentors underrepresented founders through the EIC initiative and offers her wisdom as a consultant for international studios. Her passion doesn't stop there. Nicolina is a staunch advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion day, mental health, and accessibility to gaming education. Nicolina's insights into the gaming world are not confined to boardrooms and development studios. She takes her knowledge to the airwaves with her podcast, Leading the Way, where she engages in candid conversations about the realities of being a woman entrepreneur in a predominantly male industry. Furthermore, her literary contribution, Modern Game Testing, offers valuable perspectives on the intricacies of game development and quality assurance. With a career as multifaceted as the games she helps create, Nikolina Finska is not just leading the way. She's forging new paths and inviting us all to join her on this remarkable journey. I hope I hope that our listeners, especially on YouTube, will not have from my some at some point I was hearing the the echo of the, the of, of the voice from my phone, but it's quite remarkable. Uh, congratulations! Yeah, I mean, I'm listening. I was like, wow, you know, if when you put it in these words, it sounds amazing. This is way better than anything I could describe. <laughs> <laughs> you see, so you can you can I will send you the text. You can yeah. use it. Please, yes, this is great. Yeah. Yes. Um, Nicolina, I really, to be honest, I don't know where to start because with you is like, Jesus, where do I start? I start with, with, with Rovio, I start with DEI, I start with your book. I, oh, oh, let's let's start with the, oh, and also thanks to the AI, I staunch, use the word, use the, the word staunch, which helped me to, to know a new word. I didn't know, so like, and now I'm, I'm more, um, I'm more intelligent. So, what do you think if we start from your book? Because I, I want to hear more. Um, I, I want to know what drove you into, into, into writing your first book. Uh, why do you think it was necessary? I think it was necessary, but of course. It's, but let, t- tell me something about your book. Well, you know, I had this idea of writing this book long time ago because, uh, well, coming back to Rovio, I realized that there is not much education about when it comes to the modern games testing. Most of the stuff was about how to test the games for consoles, which was pretty old fashioned, but how to test the games like modern teams, like agile teams, mobile free to play games because they have their own specifics. Um, There was not much about it. Um, and I started this kind of education for the uh, QA people in Rovio as well. I was insisting that they get uh, ISDQB training. They learn more about the QA as a discipline, not just to go play the games to oblivion, but actually have some strategy on how to approach this. Um, and I pre- created lots of PowerPoints, you know, to do some uh, uh, internal training. Um, and I always felt like, ah, one day when I have some time, I should put these PowerPoints in the book. 
uh, and then you know fast forward I did some lots of consulting afterwards my career and very often would be in the QA management and again I was like I wish it would be a book I could recommend about QA but there is nothing and um, fast forward um, I think it was like big in 20 um, and that's maybe part of a different topic that I felt like my life is falling apart you know it was the COVID year and lots of things went wrong uh, and I went through the burnout and I had to rethink my career and I was like, okay, what am I going to do with myself? And then I decided, well, I have all of this knowledge. Now I have time to kind of put it into something practical, into something that other people can use. So I made a Udemy course in QA. And then maybe six, nine months after that, publisher contacted me and said, hey, would you be interested to write a book about um, uh, uh, games QA? And I was like, yeah, I've been thinking about it for a decade, but, you know, they didn't have any discipline or time to kind of commit to it. But when you have a publisher contacting you, it's like, sure, you know, uh, I'll I'll do it. Because then I didn't have to take care of all of this stuff, you know, how the book is going to be edited, how is it going to be formatted, then your publisher taking these boring parts for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I went to uh, the journey of writing a book, and it was... Uh, super exciting and it was easier and more difficult than I thought uh, both things um but yeah now it's out for about I think about four months that it came out um and yeah and uh, uh I'm pretty proud of it and uh I think it's something that it is niche when we look about it this is not a book which would be uh, you know, a light reading. It's something that you use if you are interested in QA or work in a gaming industry or you want to get into QA that you can really use also as a manual how to do things. But it does have some, you know, war stories. It does have some examples from the past, um, some anecdotes. So to make it a little bit, uh, you know, easier to digest. So try to make it um not just as a very strict book but it has these little parts of it that makes it more exciting or you know easier to read yeah and and, and i have yeah no i have to say that it's 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 very necessary do you write that um you know i like the fact that the title is modern game testing i like the fact that it's modern because it's it's really unbelievable how much the the the, the whole setup of testing has changed. I know you know, you know that mm. I was born professionally in this industry in QA, right? Like LQA and FQA, and I still work for a company that actually does you know offers QA one of the one of the services, and so I know I knew actually QA inside out, but since I moved into a different role. Uh, that is not, you know, with my hands, like uh, with my dirty hands in, in, in QA all the time. Um, I have noticed that it's now only, well, only, I say on, only eight years that I've been doing something else. And even though I still connected to QA, to testing, it has changed dramatically. In a sense, whenever, like, just yesterday, I was having a call with a partner and there were someone from uh, from, from my company also that were talking about QA. And they just realized how I, I needed to fade out and just, like, remain in the court and, and let the big guys talk. Uh, guys, actually, we're girls, like, you know, like, just, um, but, yeah, they were, they were, like, I, we have, like, I have amazing colleagues that are, they know everything about QA. 
Um, so, and, and it's true that has changed. I remember from, you remember the early days of testing mobile, how it was terrible with all the, there was not Apple and Google Play. There were all the different uh, carriers that were offering yeah. the service. So testing was crazy. It was yeah. crazy. Those were, those were the, the, the pioneer days. And it was, I remember it was crazy. So from, of course we don't need to talk about that, but like nowadays, Right? How, how how is it modern? Uh, modern testing. What are are there any particular challenges uh, in testing games? Because and, and with that we can link it to everything that is happening currently. Like you know, like very recent fresh news about what's happening with with Apple Unity. Um, so all those all those things that are happening. What's what's the? So I'm gonna ask you this grand question. <laughs> so what's modern testing? What are the challenges? What is the future of testing on mobile? So this is more, so I have to say this is about manual testing. So it's not about automation. The book is not that technical. It's more about how to approach testing, how to do it and getting a bigger picture, because I think that's very important because sadly, usually nobody thinks about QA, you know, they're somewhere at the end and then nobody explains them stuff. And then, you know, people at the end are like, okay, I do the best I can with this limited uh, information. So this is really about when you have QA in your team that you're working with um, uh, agile environment, but you have working in a smaller teams where QA is embedded and they're not only the people who would make sure that the game works and there's no bugs, they're also being here to represent the player as well. Uh, so they kind of have a bit of a different role um, and look at the game more holistically. And the challenges are like how to make this all work, how for QA also needs to understand um, the business perspective of the games as well, because you work with the free-to-play games that sometimes they are very different from console games or PC games. Like what's the understanding of quality? Because you work with the features that are you know minimum viable product pretty pretty much early on how to report bugs that are relevant in the right stage, how to deal with the live ops. There's no books about it. So all of this is in the book um, and kind of giving some guidelines, how to approach things, how to organize your work. And of course, there's some basics, you know, how to write a good bug, how to escalate problems. There is also a chapter where I talk about how to work with outsource partners. Like every gaming studio will have some outsourced QA sooner or later. Nobody teaches you how to do that. And then you have people who don't have a clue how to get good relationship going because nobody, you know, everybody thinks it's just easy. It's not. Amen. Amen, Nicolina. Amen. You know, glory to Nicolina. I, I, I totally agree. That's, that's an important, so sorry, sorry to jump in like in the middle of your conversation, but this is something really touches my heart. And it's, it is true. It is true. It's very hard to do it. Not many not many uh, uh, companies that actually know how to do that establishing a rapport but even even in the moment before not many actually know how to the whole negotiation part for example of a contract yes. how to choose and that's a big thing you know they, they they all do it but being on the other side i know how most yeah. of them they do it wrongly and they could get like much better deals in terms yes. of qualities, in terms of like better contracts, and just they yes. just don't so know this is how to all in it. the book. I tell you, okay, this is the things you should look for. This is how you should negotiate, and it also tells about my pet peeve is when I worked in the gaming studios that they have outsourced partners and they're not happy with something, and then they will not say 
And then suddenly the just comes like, oh, we are canceling the contract because you're unhappy for six months. I was like, your partner wants to make you happy because they want to keep the deal, but you have to tell them what they're doing wrong because they, they're not, you know, psychic. And then say, hey, can you optimize this or do this differently? Uh, but if you're just quiet, they can't fix what they don't know needs fixing. Um, so it's, I was like, you know, you're not making people uncomfortable, you're actually doing them a favor, being like saying, okay, we need to fix this. So there are lots of these small things that, uh, you know, can be just done better to have a better relationship. And then also how to escalate, you know, how to do it in a constructive way if there's an issue, how to support, which is really important, your outsource partners, because they're not in the all room with you. They just know what you tell them. If you don't give them enough information, they will do what you tell them. You know, they're not, a, they don't have a hidden speaker or, or hidden participation in your internal meetings. They don't know this. You have to, it's like, if you give them too much information, that's great because they can just discard what they don't need, but that's much lesser evil than not giving them enough information. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I try to do, I try to put in the book all of the stuff that I learned, all of the stuff that I found frustrating, that uh, there was no education or guidelines how to do. So basically everything from my experience I try to squash in this one book. Um, and hopefully it's going to help people to have, you know, more efficient QA and to make this ease into QA as a discipline um, easier as well. That when you are starting in a QA that you have something you can pick up and kind of take as a guideline. Okay, this is how it works. Because especially in a medium and small size studios, there's often no QA management. There's one QA person and then they are in charge for lots of things and sometimes it's overwhelming. So having some book, book like this can really help you out, make better decisions, um, organize QA better, um, have a better grasp of how everything works, get a better understanding of how to actually studio operations work and uh, what you need to take into account um, when you are organizing your QA. I also talk about how to work together with the uh, player support, for example, because they work together very often uh, in the especially in live ops, but nobody tells you or guides you how to do things like that. So yeah, that's 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 summary of what's, uh, what's in, a, in a book. Yeah. It, I think it's about 200 pages. So there's lots of stuff, but there's lots of pictures as well. So it's not only text. <laughs> ah, <laughs> there are no funny pictures. Nothing. No, they're not very funny. Um, they're charts usually, but hey, you know, Boring. I try to sell it as funny. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, sorry, sorry. No, not not boring at all. Of course, but no, it's interesting. This this whole topic, um, it, it's very it's very dear to me. Like, and everything you said, I second that perfectly. It's, it's, it's just the way it is, like the cooperation, what you said about, you know, talk to them, let them know. There is one thing that I constantly tell people when, uh, when, when people, for example, ask me and I, and I say, I love Finns. I love Finns. I know you lived in Finland for how many years? 16. And I'm married to a Finn. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, in Finland, wherever I go. <laughs> Exactly, but but you know the the good thing there is I love Finns so um, mm -hmm. and the one thing I like about them is they are incredibly uh, fair and if they don't like something you know I, it, so in the cooperation that I had with many Finnish company uh, companies um, for you know in the past in the past what 16, 17 years um, I, I've always noticed this we do something wrong they will just tell you you did something wrong. 
And this is exactly what you did wrong. And show me how you're going to do it better. Show me how this is gonna, not going to repeat anymore. And that's beautiful. It's fairness, right? It's not like going out, oh my God, what if this? So there was always, there is no aggression. And it's always like a second chance. Give You know, I give you a second chance, you fix it. And we are friends as before, right? And that is beautiful. And that is the part when you like, when you were saying like, talk to them, right? Okay, something doesn't yeah. go well. I know I don't like this in particular with, with, with some with, in details, if you can. And then let's start again. You know, people need the second chance. Of course, that continue to 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 happen. Then is a different story. But I I, I like I like I like that 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 you said before, um, especially. And 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 also uh, from so you work for a big company like Rovio, and now there is something so cute that you're also you you, you work for a company that is called like look at you want do you want to say the name also uh, uh, Rainbow, Rainbow Unicorn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm actually one of the co-founders as well. Um, so this is my third startup. I had two startups in Finland. One was uh, something between a consulting agency and independent publisher. Let's put it that way. Um, and uh, from that company, we birthed a gaming studio, which was called Unicorn Pirate Studio. Uh, you wouldn't believe it. I had nothing to do with naming this company, Rainbow Unicorn Games. I, the, the, the name was already decided when I joined in. So it seems like unicorns follow me. <laughs> well, whoever whoever did was a genius, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, um, it was like I was not sure do I want to join the startup again uh, or work in a startup again. I said I was in this crossroads when I joined Rainbow Unicorn Games. Um, like rethinking my career how they wanted to go further what you want to do and it was the time of big change everything was changing but i met uh co-founders actually on linkedin we really um aligned on issues that were happening at the time with the activision and the bobby kotick and the harassment and uh we just kind of because for me it was outrageous that nobody reacted you know there was lots of women in the industry who reacted but there was lots of uh, men who in position of power who didn't say anything and uh, that silence is deafening because I don't expect everybody to, to react on any issue uh, on every issue in the industry because no like, you can't even be aware of everything but um, I'm like this is not okay there should be more noise about it people should step up um, because you know the silence empowers always the abuser silence never empowers the victims so if you think that you are neutral because you're silent, you are not, you know, you are neutral. Like there's, you know, your silence is deafening as well. So if you really want to support the victims, you have to say something. Um, and uh, so we kind of start to talk about it and issues that we have in the industry as well. And then from that, it came like, I was like okay, I found very interesting what they're doing. They were doing something very similar, what I was trying to do in a startup. And I like the fact that I have the experience of doing that before and all the challenges and pitfalls. I found it interesting that doing in the United States because the stage is bigger, the stakes are bigger, everything is bigger. Um, and yeah, we started to talk and about three or four months, um, they asked me, hey, would you like to join officially as a co-founder? And then I thought about it for a while. I was like, well, um, I mean, 
why I would feel bad saying no because you know your soul is in it. So I feel like okay, right, you know, I'm I'm gonna go again on the the crazy startup train and let's see where it takes us. And it's been challenging, you know, being having being in a gaming startup um, in these times. It's challenging, but it's been great as well. I learned so much. Uh, my partners are super experienced and professional. They have this experience from the US-based studios, which is very different from the operate compared to European ones. And one of the things that's really dear to me, they want to really embrace European working practices because you know, there are lots of jokes about how Americans work and how European works. I think there's some famous stand-up comedian about it, um, how we are very about our working hours and time off and the United States it doesn't exist. <laughs> Uh, the the differences are are incredible. Like it's it's no, we are all Western countries, but um, but the difference is humongous. It's really huge. You know that, like, it, but in everything. Yesterday, uh, also, like, in an, just you know, in, in another call, it's, it's funny actually. Everything is yesterday, but it, yesterday I had calls after calls, and <laughs> and there was like um one one of my um colleagues from the United States. Um, he mentioned, you know, I just wrote an email. Can we just jump on a call? And and I was like, uh, and then I even told him, like, that's that's a huge difference in Europe. If I write an email to someone, right, I'm reaching out to a new company and I would like to yeah. to offer my services, etc. And you say, can we jump on a call? No one would do it. Mm. No one, no one would jump on a call right away. And in the US, it's actually normal. Okay, let me jump on a call. Let me listen to what the, the whole you need to, you know, here in Europe is much different. It's, it's incredible. We're, we seem so similar, but it's, 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 it's huge. Difference. Yeah, when it comes to nuances, how we communicate and how we perceive work and work obligations and even like the benefits that we have. You know, uh, they're like, I have a holiday. It's a national holiday in Croatia. I'm off. I'm off to the, I'm go to the beach. They're like, you are gone? I was like, yeah, it's a holiday. <laughs> you know? If you send me email on Saturday, I'll answer on Monday. You know, <laughs> That's just kind of how the things are. And uh, it's just like, oh, wow. Uh, and we talk about like maternity leave. I was like, well, yeah, my, you know, it's like year, two years. You know, if you want to stay with your baby and, uh, oh. you know, we have like two weeks. I was like, I have two weeks when I have a flu. So... Oh, yeah. It's, you know, someone, someone from Sweden, uh, um, is is going for for a one year paternity leave, even paternity leave, yeah. paternity. Which for me, even that I live in Poland, I also had only two weeks, which is terrible if you ask me, because there is one yeah. thing that I adore spending time with my with my little yeah. daughter, and I had only two weeks, and he's gone for a year, mm. and I'm thinking like, what? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's in the feeling I'm not. I might be wrong, so if you know, please forgive me. But as far as I know, uh, that in Finland, I think that you can even, I think they get quite a, some. I think get two months as a father, but you can also swap your maternity and paternity leave, so you can split it. That you know, dad takes a bit of mom's time, so they both can spend more time with the kid. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how the law, but I think it's something like that, which is great because I think that kid needs both parents and, uh, it's really, you know, unfair to punish, um, uh, fathers that they can only spend a couple of weeks with their kid. And also, you know, your partner also needs support as well. So it's nice that you all together as a family, you know, don't think about work. 
Um, but yeah, I think that in Europe we are kind of in these things with much more. Uh, I mean, I don't like to say. Well, I'm just gonna say it that we are more advanced in things like that. I think that the, even there's lots of things we need to fix as well. That the workplace is a bit more human centric. Uh, that really kind of um, worries about okay, how does this human feels at work, and that you have this legislative protection in, about lots of things, right? Which doesn't necessarily exist in the states, or it's very different from a state to state. You know, some states do a bit better job than the other ones, but um, nothing compared to European conditions. Um, and then you realize that we actually did did go quite far in this. Um, uh, employee rights uh when you compare because you know united states is a very advanced country economically um but somehow this human angle of employment is lagging behind europe a lot yeah 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 it's uh it's something that i really really hope especially for countries like the one that i live in it will change uh it's 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 necessary i um, I, it really resonates with me what you said about like kids they need both parents um, it's 2024 sometimes you know you think like when are things going to change why only the mother why not the father etc etc maybe maybe we can all agree maybe the kid needs more the mother than the father but not at this not with this huge discrepancy right we can it, it can be like a better balance um, well, anyway, yes, like topic, topic that I think we could we could switch into talking about um, uh, DEI also, which I know it's a it's a huge topic mm -hmm. for you, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, that's something that you know I'm super passionate about. Um, I'm always working with it, on it, about it. Um, I'm very loud about it. Um, and uh, I think it's really necessary. And one of the things that um, people, uh, businesses don't understand that actually diversity, equity, and inclusion is really good for business. Numbers shows over and over again that the more diverse is your business, that you will get, you know, it's easier to get to the new markets. It's easier to, you will get better financial um, results. Uh, you're better managing risks, uh, but, it works only if it's for real. It's so you have to have not only diversity but also equity. That this uh, range of people from different backgrounds actually can participate in decision making and uh, creating products and services that you empower them. Because if you just hire people to have nice pictures, it doesn't work like that. Um, and you know, my passion about diversity, equity, inclusion—I didn't even know what it was, but I was doing it because simply, you know, I'm an immigrant woman who is trying to make it in a very male dominated industry. And uh, simply, you know, you realize that somehow the obstacles I have are not the same as my colleagues have. And uh, then you realize hey, something is wrong here. And then you talk to your other friends and then you realize that there's discrepancy, like how we are treated from work to daily why? life to and, business. And the, the reason why I ask why is just like, please, like help me understand, right? I think we work in the video game industry, right? And and, and with so like an open-minded industry, you know, compared to other industry, we are blessed. And it's still like and, and I I'm not a woman and I just don't know what kind of challenges, what kind of difficulties, what what's what's hard. So I want to hear way more. And I don't hear enough. I don't hear enough. I see, you know, I you know me, you know that I'm how 
big supporter of like all the the rights for LGBTQ plus communities, women in games. I I'm all in. I yes, but what are we doing? Why am not hearing enough? Are we actually, for example, women in games? Are we reaching out to young girls in schools, telling them it's totally fine to play games? And yes, you can come to our industry. Please come. Please apply. Please, in, in a couple of years, are we are we doing that? Why we don't hear enough? So, I mean, this is because of patriarchy, which is alive and kicking everywhere in the world. Uh, and it's uh, in all the industries. Uh, I collaborate a bit with the music industry right now. I'm part of this European Sync project where I work mostly with people uh, who are in the music industry of Europe. And I can see, for example, compared to the music industry, that we in games did made more about um, diversity, equity, inclusion. At least we talk about it more and have a wider understanding of it because, as you said, it's not only about the gender, uh, it's also about, uh, you know, cultural background, uh, you know, your race, it's about your sexual orientation. Uh, there's so much more, um, uh, so much more that goes into diversity than just being gender focused. Um, so I would say that, you know, in a, uh, there's also about like disabilities and empowering people that to do the best job, uh, uh, like uh, if they have any disabilities. So it's a, it's a big topic. And in talk about diversity, it's really, uh, it's a really huge range of different type of wonderful people who come at uh, different intersections. Um, so as a gaming industry, you know, there's at least there was a movement forward that we talk about it a lot. We have organizations that are very supportive, that are trying to do their best. Women in Games is doing a lot of good stuff um, and they are really doing a lot about education and they are quite loud. Um, and at least in UK, I know they managed to do lots of things, even on a governmental level, that they managed to go and speak, uh, you know, in the parliament and things like that. Uh, but it takes time to make the change. And it takes time to be heard. And um, there's lots of resistance to it. Lots of people think it's not a problem. Um, how is it different? I mean, I can tell you, I will tell a couple of examples which are very practical, that people don't even understand that they are doing something, I won't say wrong, but they're doing something that's biased. When I was interviewing for my first job in the gaming industry, I'm not naming names, once who know, you know, but I'm not going to name names because this is not about um, pointing a finger at someone. It's just kind of to having an example because people do the best they can. People are not necessarily, when it's subconscious bias, it's subconscious. They're not aware of it. Um, I was asked because I didn't look like a gamer. So I was asked um, to name my top five, top five games that I like. But male candidates were asked to name top three games that they like. It's a small thing, but it was immediately this bias. She doesn't look like she's playing games. So let's uh, test her a bit deeper. Um, I mean, of course, I actually did play games all my life, although I don't look like it. And uh, I, my list was 15 games long or 20. You know? So, okay, I can talk about till tomorrow. Easy question. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, when you think about it, it's a bit of a loaded question. Why are you asking me differently than a guy who looks more... Uh, like a game. Um, when I was working for an um, employer and I was in a position to hire people, uh, we had most of the candidates would be they were white male, and then we had um, two Indian ladies. 
we were hiring two testers. And those two ladies were by far the best from the group. And I said, I think that these two ladies should be hired because they're the best. And then my boss said, uh, we can't hire two Indian ladies because we're going to look biased because we hired from all of this group two Indian ladies. He said, you have to pick one. And I refused. So I was like, I'm not going to hire a lesser candidate because you might seem uh, biased. These two are the best. And this is for the signing off. And if you want somebody else, then you do it yourself. Um, but if I would if I would choose two white uh, guys, nobody would say that I'm biased because they were the majority of the group. But because I picked two Indian ladies who are minorities, only two of them from the whole group, I looked biased. See what I'm getting with that? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, no, no. It's 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 clear. Why you were saying, I was even thinking, yeah, but you would have chose like if you could choose like two Finns or two Italians, probably no one yeah. would have said anything. Anything. So hmm. in a way, it's the same. Like you know, eighty percent of the new startups that are coming out have all male founders. Uh, I'm in a startup where all the founders are female. Um, and then I've been asked, is this on purpose? Why do I have all female founders? Do you ask the same question to all of these startups? They have all male teams. I never heard anybody questioning that. Why have I all the founders are male? Why am I under a microscope? You know, um, so, uh, these are some of the practical, because, you know, I can talk in a big language and in a, you know, from a bird's view, but I think that people understand more when you have really practical daily example, like how does it actually affect you? And there are like lots of examples like this everywhere. And sad part is that most of the time there's no um, ill intent. People don't come mean, be like, I want to destroy women or uh, I don't want to hire uh, people from LGBTQ community. They just look at it. Just There's just a bias. And, you know, I'm biased as well. Like I had in my team a um, person who is um, a non-binary and uh, looks a bit uh, flamboyant and they are part of the LGBTQ community and they were working together in a team where I had um, a wonderful um, uh, developer who were Muslim and quite religious. And I was honestly afraid how is this going to work because in my head I was automatically presuming that Muslim people might not like gay people, which is my own, uh, you know, subconscious bias. I mean, that's a trap. It's what everyone thinks, you know, it's not only yours. You know, I was completely bias. wrong, you know, and then, you know, you catch yourself, I was like, I'm just, you know, I'm stupid. Like, come on. And of course, everything worked great. They, they were friends, they did an amazing job together. There was no issues, but it was my own bias that I realized, wait, I have it as well. So um, be a human. It's normal to have a bias. Nobody can say I'm bias free. Uh, we have biases about something and biases came to humans because there were some shortcuts we took to work to be more efficient but uh, lots of these subconscious bias also work against us and we don't even notice them and uh, unfortunately they also affect other people because we treat them differently and we're not even aware of that and being treating differently in a negative way that we might um, subconsciously gatekeep them or judge them uh, before um, for just because we have some preconceived idea about somebody. And this is something I'm trying to fight and I'm very passionate about and talk about. And um, I'm very careful when we are building teams and building companies. And um, 
to kind of really take this into account. And uh, also when you build diverse teams to make sure that you give them the right support um, that they can thrive and they can be successful as well. Yeah. No, yes. Like, to, to, would you agree with me though on the statement, way more must yet be done? Yes. Yes. I think that we are just at the beginning, you know, we just scratched the surface. And now the hard work is ahead of us. <laughs> the, the feeling is either. So it's, it's either or. It's either I am not, I'm cut out of any information related to what we're doing to improve that, or there is really nothing like significant, meaningful being done. I, I, I don't see what kind of initiatives we do to, to increase that knowledge, you know, change the culture. We, as always, when we're talking about culture, we need to go to the young ones, especially. Yeah. What are we doing there? Yeah. What are we doing there? I mean, there are some things, I might say now some things that would be considered controversial, but this is my opinion. So uh, I think there is lots of talk in a very intellectual circles. There's lots of talk, which is very theoretical. Uh, but there's not enough work on the ground, really, that we really go into the schools, into the businesses and have people who are actually empowered to do the change. Because you can have, you, there are lots of companies which have, would have like diversity, equity, inclusion officer, or it would be part of some HR structure. But you really need somebody who is going to be in operational role, who will have all of this knowledge and skills and understand, okay, how can I make my team less biased? How can I make my team, uh, how can I make sure that there's, uh, that, uh, that we have equitable working practices? How does this translate to my daily work? And this connection between this high level, more theoretical stuff and how we do our daily work, it's missing. And when it comes to education and young girls, there's lots of small things that are going on, but big problem is also lack of role models. And that's something that there's lots of women in the gaming industry who are doing an amazing job. But, um, you know, every time that people think about the gaming industry legends, it's a bunch of guys who come. Uh... There was just recently, you know, this article about 30 most influential people in games. They were all men. I think there's a big outcry about it about six months ago. So we as an industry have yeah. to start to celebrate women and non-binary people in the games as well, because um, we are not maybe so good in self-promoting ourselves because that's another bias we have when women is self-promoting themselves, they're perceived as non-likable. So we need other people to support us and to make us be more visible and to make sure that we, that, you know, that this young generation see that you can do anything, that you can be a great uh, coder, that you can be great creative, great game designer, a great producer, and it doesn't matter what's your background. And I think we have been um, celebrating good old guys too much. Uh, I mean, they deserve credit, but we have to expand whom are we celebrating because there are lots of people doing an amazing job, but they're just not promoted or self-promoting enough. And uh, we as industry have to be like, okay, let's take a step back and see who is doing what, and let's try to elevate uh, these voices, other voices that are also part of this industry. So thank you, Pietro, for actually helping doing this with your podcast and inviting maybe a little bit more unusual suspects to to talk and express themselves. No, but you know, um, I'm, and and there's gonna be another guest 
uh, not next one, probably like it's gonna be like in, in two in two episodes. That she is also huge, and actually she wrote books about uh, this this topic. So I'm gonna go like you know like deep into that. I'm gonna delve into everything regarding that topic. For me, actually, as what I'm gonna ask is like all about equity. Mm -hmm. What equity is? How can we make that something? But listen, while you were talking, right? Um, about the 30 people, the 30 most influential people, blah, 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 all the part. It came to me something that I've been thinking about for ages. And that the problem is isolation. Isolation as in, whenever, we, I, I think we should stop giving reward as for a special category, mm. but it needs to be all included. Until we're gonna leave, you know, women in games. I remember even, I, I cannot say when exactly and when, but there was a part of my career uh, where I asked uh, to the company I was working with, oh, you know, we have women in games, we're participating mm -hmm. in women in games. Can I can I be in, in that somehow, please? I have ideas. And I've been told, no, no, you know, like it wouldn't be good to be a man. And then, and and my problem with, it's, it's that until we isolate ourselves, if we have a problem and you keep isolated, doing specific things, specific categories, they're going to be always specific, separate categories. They're, they're not going to be, sorry for that, but no, I don't I'm talking, but um, they're always going to be separate categories until we make them feel like this is normal, you know, like a 30 more most influential people in that I need to see uh, two people from the LGBTQ uh, mm -hmm. plus community. Mm -hmm. It needs to be there. Like women, they need to be there. Mm -hmm. We need to be... So sorry, okay, let me calm the... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's also right. about what we see, you know, there's lots of this about who is a rock star and guru in the industry. And usually it's the people who are the loudest. But are they really? If we scratch the surface, I know lots of people who are super talented, doing crazy, mad, great shit, but they really don't like to expose themselves too much or they don't know how or they don't think it's important. And that's something also how we perceive who is really a rock star, how we perceive who should we follow? Only it's also a little bit about perception of: Are we going to follow the loudest, or are we going to follow somebody who might uh, be more silent but doing great things? And this is not only gaming; this is in general in the world. How we perceive somebody as a leader that you usually perceive the people who are very outspoken, but do they really have the skills, or do they really have achievements that you know we should celebrate? Um, and that's not easy to fix things like that. You know, that's something that we have to kind of uh, rethink how we see leadership and uh, values. Uh, and, you know, so I said that, you know, maybe giving a little bit more power to the people who are uh, introverts or maybe don't feel um, they don't know how or they don't really focus on promoting themselves. Yes, uh, amen to all that. Yes. You know, like to me, it's uh, it's always like the the biggest topic until we involve the people. It's like something similar to when uh, here in Poland we have we have no laws for abortion, uh, right? And for me, is until we use certain certain statements that are you know only about women, the men, the the the, the they would never feel involved. They would never think that is their problem. Right, and then it will be always be relegated to it. It's a, a female's problem. It's it's their problem. 
Look, it's not my problem. So 50% of the population will not care as much, right? Why would I care that much? Anyway, it's their problem. But it's not. The baby is the son of a woman and, or, or like, let's say, of two, two people, right? So we need to include the other person in the conversation. Yeah. And that's something that's very often excluded because um, we need male allies. You know, we need men to speak up and stand up and join in the good fight because this is not good for anybody. This is not only it's bad for women, it's bad for society, it's bad for the industry, it's bad for men. Patriarchy is bad for everybody besides selected small group of people who are on the top of the pyramid. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in that way, I think that we maybe. But it's probably like, for example, my spouse didn't even realize how bad certain things are until he started to live with me and started to see the industry and the world through my eyes. He was like, you have to go through this? I'm like, well, yeah, you know, welcome to my reality, which is a bit different. And uh, I think that we should speak more about it and there should be more uh, also inclusivity to invite men and say, hey, be proactive, be like, hey. This is your fight as well. Help us out. You know, uh, let's do this together. Thank you. Well, I, I can I can feel his I can feel his stupor, right? When it probably was you know was where um changing just a little bit the topic because I uh, you know uh, I I'm also interested. You know, we started running short in time, and but there there are a few other things that you do that I want people to know about you. Um, so the the EIC initiative. Is that correct? Did I say it correct? EIC. Ah, uh, that's European Europe Innovation European Innovation Council. That's part of EU legislative body. In a lack of better explanation, so it's it's official organization. Okay, <laughs> okay. And and, and as, as part of that, if, if it's you know here, if I don't know if I understood it correctly, but as as part of that, you are mentoring underrepresented leaders. Leader. Yeah. So it's really, uh, they kind of change it. So it's really about uh, uh, female leaders uh, and they have, so it's a European Innovation Council initiative. They have different cohorts. So every year, I think there are two cohorts and they choose mentors to help out the women um, in the leadership role in European, generally startup industries, um, because it's very different. You know, there's some challenges that we face are very different than the men face. And uh, sometimes you need to hear from another woman who was in the same situation or went through the same challenges. Um, so, and it also helps to validate the issues as well, because sometimes, you know, when you experience something, but your male colleagues are not, you're asking, like, is it me? You know, so sometimes it helps to just to bounce back, to talk to somebody, say, hey, I'm experiencing this. Is this like, why is this happening? Um, so I've been doing that. I think I've participated in the three cycles now, met some wonderful, uh, wonderful women, uh, got really outside of the gaming industry as well, because these founders don't work in the gaming industry, they work in the different industries, um, stroke some long lasting friendships, um, and realized how much we all share in common across Europe, because, um, I was, um, mentoring women who are, uh, uh, uh like work in uh, Holland uh, or in Romania. So, you know, we have different geographical areas in Europe, but we all experience, let's say, similar challenges, insecurities, problems. And um, it feels very rewarding to be able to support them in their journey and um, help them out. 
Um, and I'm very pleased to be able to do that. Um, then you also feel like, okay, my experience um, is doing something good that I can kind of help somebody uh, go through a hard time or resolve a problem or feel better about themselves or get a boost or support, you know, that they need to kind of keep on going, overcome something. So that's something that I feel it's really, really rewarding and kind of soul <laughs> feeds my soul when you do things like that because you can really see the difference and um uh you know you feel that you're part of the positive change as well okay wow it's uh, yeah and do you think that like your your past experience in uh you had experience before the video game industry you had experience in it and government also associated some some right do you think that that kind of helped you in what you're doing yeah. today, especially with the I, uh, EIC initiative? Yeah, it did. I mean, uh, I mean, I studied leadership a um, long time ago, uh, but I studied at, um, I studied like lots of new modern management methodologies, which really help to kind of understand how leadership can be. Um, and then, you know, I was leading this very major big projects for the British government in Croatia at the time, and there's lots of responsibility, then you have to learn as well how to deal with different types of people, how to, you know, balance uh, being, uh, you know, professional, but also being, having a human face, and definitely, and also dealing with just, you know, as I said, variety of people from all different backgrounds. So that definitely uh, helped. Uh, my experience in IT, because it's mostly Finnish, it was about, you know, uh, well, getting getting used to the Finnish geek culture <laughs> that prepared me for the gaming industry. Okay, that 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 helped you to be prepared, like in uh, London culture. Okay, yeah. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and and you know, I I would so there are two things I would like to talk about, but we already have like fifty three minutes in. Um, let's see if we can do it like relatively short or let's talk only about one. And like one is, uh, uh, leading the way, which is your podcast, mm -hmm. uh, that I listen to and I find once again, inspiring, but it, it's kind of connected to what we're talking about now. Right. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I will just say in a minute, so I won't take too much time for that. I'm talking about, uh, my experience of being a female entrepreneur in a male dominated industry. It's again, just to, it's very honest. That's about it. That this, it's not edited at all. Everything what comes out, comes out. It's very honest. That's kind of my trademark. And from next month I start to have uh, guests. So other female entrepreneurs who will you know, tell their stories. Um, so yeah, uh, it just kind of like, I felt that I want to share what I, um, went through and if it can help to somebody, it's kind of extension of my mentoring, you know, if you want to, but I say it's for women, but I know it helps lots of men as well. Like, I actually, lots of men reach out to me. It's like, I listen to the podcast. It's amazing. I was like, thanks. So I'm glad to hear it resonates, uh, with other people as well. They enjoy it and they find something in it. So yeah. It's, it's why we do it, right? Like on even even for me, this is just because I want to I want to bring a smile to people people's face. I want people to listen about like someone in the video game industry and uh, find it interesting, like knowing a little bit about their lives. Is that don't do it for the, for any particular glory? Um, and then, is there anything else you're working on that you would like to talk about, or you can talk about, or is there anything else you're working on? 
I work on so many stuff all the time. <laughs> uh, well, I do have another book in the pipeline. Yeah. So I'm working on that. Uh, yeah. So that's another book. Uh, so uh, it will be about the game production. So that's another thing I did for a long time. And it's going to be in the same track. So it's going to be about how to produce mobile free-to-play games. It's going to be a big part about uh, live ops as well. Simply, there's not much about it out there. It's a bit mysterious. So what I learned, I'm putting in a book. And uh, yeah, so hopefully it should be out um, even by the end of this year. Let's see how busy I am. Okay. And, uh, how much pressure publisher will put on me to get it out earlier. <laughs> it's a combination of both. <laughs> They're like, okay, how is it going? I'm like, it's going, it's going. Oh. But uh, I'm glad okay, I'm able to do that because... Um, you know, it feels like that all of these things, because I don't work in production hands-on anymore. I help out and advise, but I don't do it anymore. But then you feel like this is the way to kind of have this knowledge uh, passed on to other people who might find it useful because you know, these days I'm doing more high-level stuff like, like leadership and C-level stuff and consulting, which is not necessarily so hands-on. And I feel like, okay, this is going to go to waste. And it's a great way to have like, okay, you know, this is how it works. You know, hope that helps, and uh, I feel like it's leaving some kind of trail, and it helps other people to walk in the same shoes and find a job easier, and to get support. Um, because as I said, there's not many books or materials about it. It's a little bit our industry is a bit mysterious sometimes. You know that you don't know what you don't know, at, or you can learn only when you are in the industry. Yeah. And this might help understand the industry better, or help you get your foot in if you get this like a really practical guide and explanation how the industry works and what should take into account. Um, so hopefully it's going to help people to uh, get into production or get into the gaming industry in general. Wow. That's, you know, thank you. Thank you very much. So like I, I will, I will, so to the listeners, uh, my first uh, suggestion would be go listen to the, to the podcast. Um, uh, it's called leading the way. Uh, then second step, if you can, if you want, read something about QA. I know many of you don't want to do that. QA is the necessary evil, blah, blah. Yes, but it's there. And it's not the necessary evil. It's more important than we think. It helps development yeah. in, in many ways uh, that we're not going to be here debating too much. We talked a little about that, but I would say buy the, buy the book. It's really is a good book. Um, and when the new one will come, uh, come along, we also, I suggest to, um, just check it and buy it if you can. Um, so we're left with no time. Um, so Nicolina, it's a pleasure talking to you, the company you, you work for, uh, you, you did great things in, uh, in your career. I am in awe with what you've done. I still like, uh, you know, chatting with you. I, you know, I check everything on your LinkedIn. I'm always there. If you think I was like a, a good host, you know, I, I would feel, you know, I, I, I would feel very happy. I hope I was a good host for you. I don't have the same. That's great host. Thank you. are a great Thank host. I enjoyed this conversation very much. It really felt like, you know, just catching up with an old friend and talking yeah. things. And that's the best way. It didn't feel like an interview. So I loved it. Yeah. And, and that's exactly the type of out outcome that I want to I want to have. Someone that tells me this was a conversation, not just an interview. So thank you, Nicolina. Um, the, the, the audience also, I hope, is, is supporting me in saying thank you very much. Uh, it was nice to have you at my, as my second guest. And I wish you all the best. Thank you very much, Nico.
Thanks. Same to you. Thanks so much. Ciao. Bye. Ciao.